What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing Super 7 playlists for the year 2000. So stay tuned for that. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it. Share it with all your friends. Share it on social media. Handle business. Go to the website, 185milesouth.com. There is a playlist for every episode. Also, smash that Patreon button. The Patreons are the people that keep this podcast alive. And uh, there's extra content for uh, the Patreons every month. So check that out. And let's get on with the pod. Eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing a Super Seven for the year two thousand. So that's what's up. Help me out. You know him. You love him. He is the best dressed man on the pod. He is the man, Daniel Sant. What's up, Dan? I'm afraid of Y2K. Dude, there were a lot of people that were. Also helping out. <laughs> yeah. Arguably the smartest man on the pod. Uh, <laughs> number one <laughs> over over number two, <laughs> Posse Chris. But uh, it is Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Bedge, a.k.a. Ben Edge. What's up, Ben? I got my NSYNC and Backst- uh, Backstreet Boys uh, posters all over the walls right now. I'm ready to go. Dude, what's up? That's rad. Okay, we're, not, we're not doing 2021, Ben. <laughs> Returning champion, Kim Possible, a.k.a. Kimberly Yaunt. What's you up, Kim? It. What up? I don't know why the name confused me so much. I always want to say Yaunt. But it's you Yaunt. can say Yaunt. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I appreciate that laid-back attitude. It's not going to last long if someone steals my picks. So, the way the Super 7 works... We are building seven song playlists. The subject this time around is the year 2000. If someone picks a song, it is off the table. It cannot be chosen again, but a song can be chosen from the same album by the same band. So that's what's up. Daniel did a dice roll to pick the order of the picks. And uh, Dan, I know you got, I think it's you got first, Kim got second, Ben got third and me. In the Nard Curse slot, number four, like always. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. All right. (laughs) Now, before we jump into it, Ben, you wanted to briefly touch, do a a State of the Union report on the year 2000. Go ahead. Yeah, I figured why not? We were all alive and conscious and breathing and and kind of with it uh, when this uh, year actually took place. You know, I love talking about the late seventies, early eighties. And, you know, I was walking around in diapers and so I don't have any stories to tell, but year 2000 was, you know, for the people in this, uh, right here in this podcast, I mean, over my dead body, did you start in 2000 or 99? Um, 2000, January, January, 2000. Well, so that's pretty significant. And then in, in, (laughs) in control, and Fields of Fire both started in late 99 and started putting out records in 2000. So we were getting going, all of us. And and uh, um, I like in general, 
I don't have negative memories of this year musically, but looking back on, you know, what actually came out in preparation for this, not that great of a year to, for me. There, there are good bands that put out good records, but those bands almost always had um, records that were better that came out in other years. And then you also have, um, you have good bands breaking up and then you have this new crop of bands coming in. And I'm not a fan of what, what kind of replaced a lot of these bands. Um, I know I'm, I'm completely the odd man out in, in with respect to that, with this upcoming decade, you know, the, the OOs. Um, but, uh, it was kind of like a transitional year and, uh, not a happy time in my life, but I, I don't know if that's the reason why I don't have fond feelings towards a lot of this music per se. Maybe that has something to do with it, but um, I don't know. Anybody else thoughts about the year 2000? Did you, did you pull out uh, $300 from the ATM machine on December 31st, 1999, just in case Y2K actually, uh, you know, uh, ruined the computer systems? Yeah, it lit his head up like a fucking Christmas tree. But enough about you, Ben. <laughs> um, I completely disagree. This year is smoking. Some of my favorite bands put out arguably their best records. This has like been a really hard challenge for me to narrow down what I want to choose here. And but I do think that Ben, you make a great point. Like, you know, if if you consider Fields of Fire your formative band, In Control is you know my second best band i was in i guess and then uh you know dan doing over my body all the same year like this is a very formative time for us so year 2000 i'm 20 years old i believe that makes ben you're 21 dan no, uh i turned 22 in june and i graduated college the very next week and moved right back into my mom's house um the next day so and it was the second half of this year was certainly not a happy time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Kim, are you into hardcore yet in the year 2000? Uh, yeah, I got into it in 99. I'm yeah. 17 in 2000. That rules. So yeah, we're all, we're all into it this time. It's crucial. And, uh, but Dan, do you have anything to say or you wanted to start off and choose the best song of the year 2000? I want to say that it's one of the best years in my life. Like I I, I'm surprised Ben doesn't have fun memories because the way the scene was from Oxnard down to San Diego was like, you know, aside from the metal stuff, was a huge, like the most fun, like cool scene where everyone was coming out for everyone. And it was some of the best shows ever, like the no reply last show, etc. Um, I, I will have to say um i have about 45 songs that i'm trying to get down <laughs> to to seven so uh but the 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 shitty thing is is that my personal taste crossover with every single one of everyone who's going to be listing uh, as we all do to an extent but i feel like i'm gonna to have to play really uh you know strategic on this one well, luckily for you, there's no minor threat album this year for you to skip. <laughs> but I'm going to feel bad about uh, some of the things that I'm going to leave off because there's just too much good stuff. And I, you know, I'm 
astounded that Ben thinks it's a shit year. Also, to speak on the Y2K thing, um, so <laughs> uh, this is when Rob and Diana were married. Rob Moran and Diana were married. Um, and Diana had gone out and bought like <laughs> all all the water at, uh, at Costco, like all of it. <laughs> and I remember like <laughs> at, at midnight, we I was over at, you know, some New Year's party and then I just called her answering machine. <laughs> That's right. There were answering machines back then. I called her answering machine and I was like, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> please help me. Please help me. <laughs> Oh and, my god! Uh, yeah, I was totally just clowning her because it was a Y two K hype, totally color. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, what were your favorite things, Kim? About two thousand. Oh, I uh, like you were talking about. I went to so many shows in 2000, 2001, and it. I saw everything I could because I was still new to getting into hardcore from ninety nine. So. I would grab a flyer from Che and just be like, cool, I'll go see whatever. So I saw so many different bands and so many different music at Che in 2000 that when I was looking at this list, I was like, oh, I love that record. I haven't thought of that in forever. Like, oh, I hate myself. Like, oh, I haven't thought about them in forever. Like, this has been such a fun uh throwback to think about 2000 so super excited but scared that my picks will be taken quickly yeah i remember the new year's eve 99 going into 2000 there was a big party at jeremy from the motive south and we were all getting wasted and like he had roman candles and we were shooting them off and i shot one into my beer and then drank it and i think that's why i say um so much now <laughs> but then uh and then we went and played we played at Micah's house at his parents' house. That was our first New Year's Eve show at like whatever, one in the morning or some shit. Super fun. That's weird because you said you were at that uh pickle patch fields of fire show with Dead Nation. We might have gone to the party after, Ben. You know, parties get cracking late. That's true. It's not. I I definitely <laughs> saw Fields of Fire and Dead Nation at the Pickle Patch. That was New Year's Eve of ninety nine. Yeah, that was the that was our first show, if you don't count the radio show, which isn't really a show. So yeah, we were definitely there. And then we probably went to party and then we played that night. So that's what's up. All right, Dan, best punk or hardcore song of the year 2000. Don't let us what? down. Ian is listening. <laughs> well, Ian would really be psyched on this pick. I'm going dead at birth, death threat. Yeah. Is that one word death threat or two word death threat? <laughs> it's the only real answer. The two no. word death threat. No. No, no, there. I love the one word death threat. You can't say that. I, I like the one word death threat too, but have they ever said four, five, six, seven late? I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, Dan's got a point. Yeah. Um, dead at birth, like it comes in with the and it's so like Connecticut hardcore, but then the thing that sets it apart from from anything else that sounds like that is Aaron Knuckles voice or Aaron Knuckles three voices, you know, he's got the really hard singing voice. Then he's got the my family parts. And then he's got, you know, like the, the swagger 
I got nothing, but I still make ends. You know, like he's got three voices that are all amazing. Um, this song to an average person, like checking it out for the first time, wouldn't think it's catchy. And then two so- listens to it. They'd be like, Oh my God, this is so catchy and so good. Um, this song just represents what death threat is, which is awesomely sincere, hardcore with, um, a chip on the shoulder of the outside society or directed towards the outside society plus just their own unique tweak, which is Aaron in particular. And, you know, I don't think it gets better than this. It's, this is, this is amazing. What do you think? I love this. This album rules so hard. It's like them coming out of still being kind of tied in with like the hate breed thing. And sonically it sounds a lot like hate breed, but Aaron just has such an awesome, unique voice. Uh, I listened to an interview with him a couple of months ago and he said that he really likes when people can understand the, the lyricist and you can like he, he, he has an awesome voice that is totally unique and you can understand him. And it's just totally cool to have kind of laid back vocals on the top of like this brutal music. This album sonically just sounds so awesome. And it's everything about it. The riffs are catchy. The lyrics are catchy. It is an awesome, awesome album. I love it. Kim, are you a fan of this? Muted myself. I like Death Threat. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing Death Threat live more than I liked them recorded because I felt like the atmosphere of the show was really fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but but the the rec- give the recordings another chance. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love What's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this at some point. So we'll talk. What's the tie-in with Hatebreed? You mentioned Hatebreed earlier. Is it do they share members? Yeah, on the demo, on the Death Threat demo, I think they might have had like three dudes from Hatebreed still. Okay. And then by this is this is like Death Threat like doing their own thing. I don't know if they have any of the guys anymore, but sonically it's still very in that vein. Where like okay. after this, it sonically would break out even a little more of being a little less metal and a little more punk. But this is them still doing like that hatebreed sound in the music, but with a different type of vocal approach. Yeah, and if anyone's listening to this pod right now and has never heard this which is probably doubtful, but jump onto that playlist, listen to these songs and especially this one. Yeah. That's a good reminder, Daniel. There's a playlist for every podcast. So you can go to 185 milesouthcom click that playlist link and check it out. And uh spoiler, spoiler alert though, this will probably be up there. So uh, if you want to hear all our picks before you see them, listen to the pod first. And Kim, let's go to you. What is your number one song for the year 2000? Okay, so I had to do a little finagling and, and you know, thinking about who I'm on this pod with. and <laughs> and uh, Same. That's why I took the, the Yeah, list. I know. I great that. choice. I'm going Madball. Hold it down. Because yeah. it's fucking Madball. Yeah. Uh, but... Obviously this record is awesome, but this song to me like is so fun and reminiscent of like a great time, obviously saying like, this thing is ours. Hardcore is ours. Like it's a perfect anthem. It's, it's hardcore. I love it. Yep. 
And if if hardcore is not Mad Balls, whose is it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's going big on ours, right? It's all of yeah. ours. Yeah, yeah, of ours. course, of course. But I'm I'm just adding that on, like, yeah, it is yours. <laughs> well, and it's amazing. Like, here's a band that on their fourth LP may have put out their best record. You know, yeah. like that is so insane. This record is so good. It sounds so beefy without being metal. The production just, is incredible. Yeah, it sounds perfect. And his voice. Like, yeah. this is like the apex. Like, he just keeps evolving. And then on this record, his voice sounds so savage and good. It's great. You know, we're on Set It Off. He's still kind of in like, uh, he's trying to find his voice. Like, it's almost kind of a medley voice, like kind of grunting on Set, of, set It Off a bit, even though I love it. This yeah. is like him, like fully formed. It's Freddie Madball. You know, and his flow across this album is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, yeah. Love the first two picks. And Ben, let's go to you for your number one song of the year 2000. You didn't want to know what I thought about that Madball song? <laughs> I, know you, I know you guys by now. That I know I know who to toss things to. I didn't yeah. toss the death threat to you either. In the, in the words of Anthony Papalardo, I wasn't born with the thug gene. He, he loves saying that. It's like, I don't get it. I don't get that kind of music. And I'm like, me too. I don't get it either. But he um, sang, he sang he, backups on the seven inch right before this. That's true. That's funny. We found that out yesterday. He said, look, I, I sang on a Madball record. Um, and he, he also does like some thuggy music from our combos. He does. All right. I and guess. I, and I also don't think that this is like too thuggy. I think that this is like. Yeah. Universal, just, perfect, hardcore. Agreed. You know? But yeah, agreed. You know, you know, we're just placating Ben's uh, othering of Madball. Yeah, his, his bias. <laughs> so, Ben, let's go to you, though. What What is the correct answer, best song of the year 2000? Well, I don't think there is a correct answer, but I'm picking this one first. <laughs> I'm, well, just because there's so many that are kind of neck and neck, but I'm picking this one first so that Dan doesn't pick it before me. But uh, this is a Kid Dynamite song called Cheap Shot Youth Anthem, and it's from their... Uh, shorter, faster, louder LP uh, is the last record they put out. Um, where are you going to pick this, Dan? I I actually wasn't because I've uh, in the whittling down it it just stays outside, but it is a fucking great song. So this would have been your number eight or nine? Uh, maybe I, I've got. We'll we'll see when we get to the the Ben length uh, <laughs> um, honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my honorable mentions are going to be shorter than my actual list for this. No, one. no, I'm saying mine. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to be yeah, Ben yeah. length. Right. Um, but uh, this is a, this song has a lot of woes in it and I'm a sucker for woes. And the following bands have the best woes ever. Number one, the misfits. Number two, seven seconds. Number three, <laughs> naked Ray gun. Honorable mentions go to marginal man these guys and Pennywise and Dan Yeeman would hate that. I mentioned a band of his in the same breath as Pennywise, but that's life broski. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this now, is ben, a ben, how life. About woe-ski. Five, how about top five bass players that do woes live? Ooh, I don't know. We'll think about Jay it Bentley, Jay Bentley. Yeah. That one well, guy that's who's in Oz for a while. Yeah. It was really good, but uh, sorry. Go back um, again. So you have like, you know, this is the last Kid Dynamite record and you have the 90s finishing up as the new breed comes in, like I mentioned earlier. And um, 
this is the song that goes, it's like the chorus is all ages. Whoa. So, um, and of course, because I'm terrible at, uh, at remembering song titles, I actually had to look this one up. I'm like, which is the one that goes all ages. Whoa. And I found it. Um, <laughs> great band, saw them a bunch of times, pop punk kids love them and tend to prefer them to lifetime, but I'm the opposite life. I like lifetime more, but it's all good. So that's my pick. It's a good one. It's a yeah. great one. I like this album more than the first one. Me too. Controversially. Wow. Controversially. Okay. That's controversial? Controversial? Yeah. yeah, most people like the first one better, but I like this one better. Cool. cool. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, team whatever the first album is called. Is it just Kid Dynamite? I guess I'm bad with album titles too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I think it is just Kid Dynamite. S dash T. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you guys the correct answer. All the right. best song of the year 2000. Don't take, don't take one I've got. Don't take one I've got, please. Dude, you went straight for death threat, knowing, knowing I'm right there, hovering <laughs> around death threat. But I got three death threat songs, so I'm safe as long as Ben doesn't decide he's a fan overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Hundred Demons, the song Forsaken off In the Eyes of the Lord. God damn it! This, <laughs> this fucking song. Like from the sample and just the way it kicks in, like Duh, you know who I love, nobody. So ill, dude. So you got intro, and then the verse. This is one of my most underrated things that I love in like heavy, tough hardcore is when they do the youth crew toms, and so like they're doing the youth crew tom beat, do do da do do da do do da. But it's like metal ass guitar palm muting over the top of it. It's like one of the illest things ever. And this song is so sick because it's like intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. But he doesn't sing on the verses. Like it's just that, like the guitar with the toms. And then it drops to like the fucking chorus, which is like so ill. Like, oh my God, so good. And then the end, like with the bass cutout part, Usually I don't like when songs kind of lose momentum by like doing a full cutout like that, but the bass just sounds so fucking evil by itself. And then the way it like kicks back in on like the ring out. And then when he goes to the just fucking kill me to that fucking mosh. And it's like, this song does so many unconventional things that like, I generally don't think are the best idea, but somehow it just like pulls it off. Like on the breakdown, he's on the fucking ride. Generally, like that doesn't sound. No, the ride, the ride is the fucking Neanderthal breakdown. Always, when when bands hit the ride, it makes it so much more tough and evil and dumb. Not dumb in a in a bad way. In a knuckle dragging, smash people in the in the solar plexus way. So yeah, he no, comes no. in on the ride, and it just sounds so fucking gnarly. Very like chuck biscuits-esque almost you know like oh it's just so fucking good this song rules i was like listening to my playlist that i made of like my top 20 and this is the one where like when it comes on i'm like oh my god like this is the song to end all songs how many couch dives did you do in the preparation of this i don't i've had my couch a while dude and i'm on the second floor you know, like, and I've, I've, I used to watch sports with my neighbor downstairs before he moved out and you could like hear my cat run around 
So I kind of like walk around pretty gingerly up here. No couch oh. dives, basically. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> mental couch dives. Love this song. Love this song. Um, and yeah, that's it. Let's go to round two. Daniel, what is the second best song? See, now it's the strategy of do I block Kim? Do I block Ben? <laughs> or do I block Zach? Oh, ooh, Kim and Zach. It's tough. Um, all right. I'm going to block Zach. I'm going show no fear, Mad Ball, from Hold It Down. It's not even that much of a block because every fucking song in this world right. is great. True, true. <laughs> like uh, the easiest one ever. Like I know. Now oh, you've got go now you've got ball. can't stop, won't stop. But yeah. anyway. You know, a wise man once said to me, my son, take this promo CD and rock it to oblivion. Uh <laughs> Dave Mandel gave me this promo CD early before it came out. And, you know, I was instantly hooked on this record. But Show No Fear was always my favorite song on it. Um, from the opening, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to the thunderous like drum intro that just lets you know, like, what once it gets in the pocket, you're just bobbing your head like crazy. This is this is Madball's bounciest song in like a well-traveled bouncy ocean, you know? This is like that whirlpool where you're just stuck in the bounce. Um, I absolutely love the reverb on Freddie's voice too. So like when you're listening to it loud or on headphones or anything, you can hear the triple echo on each end of each line, you know? So it's like, a wise man once said to me, my son, son, son. You know, it's the production is so good. Um, The lyrics are not earth shattering, you know, but they are really hard and match the swagger of the song so well. I mean, I just love this song and I, I I really wanted it on my list. I'm I'm probably going to lose one of my others because I didn't go strategic in that direction, but I had to have this song. It's my my favorite Madball song of all of them. That rules. We, I mean, we should just, briefly touch on the swagger of this album because in making my Madball list, I got four songs just in case. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, one of the ones that I think is super impressive is, is fall this time. And uh, I mean, talk about swagger, right? Like they literally do a bridge on this song where he's just saying, you can't stop what I'm bringing over and mm-hmm. over. And it's like, who else in the fucking world could pull that off? He, he does it and it sounds fucking awesome and it's believable and it's fucking great. And then when it goes back to like the, the riff of the song, like it just feels so good. It's like perfect songwriting. It is so good. This album is really untouchable. Um, I think it must've been like a pretty good influence to cold world as well. I would feel. Yeah. I mean, if they're drawing influences, Madball's gotta be top five, right? Yeah, as lo- as well as all the hip hop stuff, you know. But sure. just the the way this record sounds in particular, I mean, you know, big year for mesh shorts. Oh God, here we go. I think I was probably wearing mesh shorts, <laughs> but just because I bought them at T-shirt warehouse. Shout out, Kim. <laughs> good to you, number two. Uh, okay. 
I'm, oh, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with Kill Your Idols, Autumn. Oy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really hard. I love I it when four. someone else gets got. <laughs> I got I'm four, sorry. but that was my choice. I'm sorry. I knew, like, when I was looking at the list, uh, I love the Voorhees split two on this year. So it was really hard to pick a Kill Your Idols song. And I know, Zach, you and I have a, a lot of love for Kill Your Idols. So I knew I would probably snake something. But I love Autumn. I love seeing them play Autumn. Um, it was a rarity in the last years of the band playing. So it was very special when they would play Autumn. And I, yeah, I... This is a great record. Obviously, I have a Kill Your Idols tattoo. I, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. So, yeah, their second favorite song of the year. Yeah. The way it just comes in, like on the octave, and then like it's an up-tempo beat. Yeah. So much feeling that it hits you without the gate. But it's like up-tempo enough. I don't know. This is like, this is Kill Your Idols like at their best because when they're doing kind of that melodic music that has a little bit of a sad flavor to it with like Andy's really monotone vocals over the top of it. It's just so special and perfect. I agree. A hundred percent. I think that's why it resonated with me hearing them for the first time. I was like, you could hear the pain in his voice, but it is like done so well. And uh, yeah, I love, I love them. Yeah, I love them too. And I think this is a song. Although I got four because I was going to get a Kill Your Idols song on this one. So. I knew you were. I knew you were. It was a hard pick for me, but this is a this is the one I went with. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think this is the best choice. If I if I had to choose of my four, this would be the one. But I got three more I like, so that's what's up. Dan, do you do you remember this song? Yeah, yeah, I I do. It it's on the ten inch, right? No, nah, this is uh, their first LP. It's a oh, the the, the, sil- the silver embossed. Yeah, silver embossed. Yeah, I do remember. I remember the the song title because it was frustrating when they would come through and they wouldn't play it. Right. Um, it was one of the standouts of of that. But um, I definitely spent a lot more time with the ten inch than I did the the LP. But I I mean I love them both. Yeah, the ten inch and the LP are both great. I mean, really, the whole ride is great. They're one of the bands. There's there's stuff on every album that I absolutely love. The seven inch box set. I'd, <laughs> I I'd like to I'd, I'd like to say one thing. We lost Venue Value last year. Who played in Killer Idols for a long time, and uh, he was just a wonderful human. And I was really glad to get to spend time with them. I got, got to do a few short tours with them, and I'd go out and see them in New York all the time. So. Just shout out to Vinny. Yeah, Vinny ruled. Um, yeah. That was really sad. He was like one of the nicest dudes. And, you know, we talk on this pod so much about how much we love the New York hardcore documentary. Let yeah. the ladies through. He's got some great moments on that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you. Yeah. The no, yeah go ahead. <laughs> the no redeeming part where there's that one like random hanger on her to their band where he's like, let the ladies through. <laughs> Let the beautiful ladies through. <laughs> I quote that all the time when someone's holding the door open for someone else. Dude, that part when he talks about like he had to take that job, to, like 
you know, euthanizing. Yeah. Oh. It was just like, this is the most like tragic thing. Like, why am I laughing? But like his delivery was like so dry and good, you know, it was like, this is just a classic fucking moment. Um, but yeah, he was a great dude. And I should say that, you know, Kill Your Idols was the first band that ever took In Control out of town. So <clears throat> I will always have a special connection to that band. And I'm another guy with a Kill Your Idols tattoo. Shout out, Kim. What up? What up, what up? Yeah, All right, they, were, they, were, they were like the nicest guys in the world. And like, um, I remember they would just like, this happened maybe even more than once. It was just like, give me their new album. Like, give me the CD. It's like, well, I'm the fan who came to your show. I'm supposed to be buying this. And it's just like, they're just nice to a fault. And, yeah, and they, uh, they were just like shocked. Anybody liked the band anytime <laughs> they played and people showed up. They were like, wow, people like us. The one thing I will say is that they definitely played like they were touring Europe, like set lists. <laughs> yes. They played a long time. But they had a lot they had a lot of songs. That's fine with me. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with Dan that I, I'm more of a this is just the beginning kind of a guy. Or the twelve inch EP, which was put onto a CD as the four and three quarter inch CD. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm I'm actually surprised to find out that No Gimmicks Needed is technically their first album because I don't know what constitutes an album having listened to all this on CDs. Um, but yeah, they were always consistently good. And uh, you can't, uh, the best, the best song is, is uh, can't take it away, but we'll save that for the 1998. Uh, Super oh, Super hardcore, Super. hardcore circa 97, dude. That song. Oh, that was good damn. too. No, I, li- I like can't take it away from me. Cause it's got the uh, Reagan youth rip in it. And it, it's so cool. Oh yeah. yeah. I like, my favorite song off that record is the enjoy the show song. Like That's the little good, bass walking. That's oh, a good one too. Yeah. So, all right, Ben, let's go to you for your number two. All right. My number two, I'm strategically picking this before Zach does. It is. The band is Dillinger Four. the album is entitled versus God. And the song is get your study hall oh. out of my reason. Any of you have this on your list? Yes. Oh, wow. I guess That's I was preemptively really? blocking uh, Kim from getting this one. You I, got, I got two songs, but this wasn't one of them. Huh. You were blocking me. I had that on my list. Now, there's my opinion about Dillinger 4. Every album is good, but their first one, Midwestern Songs of the Americas, is the best, which I think came out in 98. So this goes. this follows my theory of the good bands who put out albums in the year 2000, for the most part, it wasn't their best album, but this is still good. Um, I think this is the best song on this album, but barely by a hair. Nothing really stands out. There's no like, it's not like Kid Dynamite where Cheap Shot Youth Anthem to me is like clearly the best song on that album. Um, They sort of reinvent pop punk. They break out of the whole Green Day sound and the no effect sound that other pop punk bands are doing. And they're not digging up the Ramones Buzzcock 70s kind of poppy punk sound either. They're just kind of like inventing their new thing that is clearly still pop punk, but it's just this new thing. And um, I think it says a lot that I couldn't have cared less about pop punk when I first heard this band. And uh, Jean-Luc played them at Headline Records. And I instantly knew, like, I have to own this record. 
And I was in like youth, it was like summer of 98. I was like trying to keep up with buying all these youth crew records that were coming out. And I'm like, I have to own that Dillinger four album. I don't even know who this band is. And this song has like cool tempo changes and a bouncy part at the end. And it all happens in under two minutes. So short song is short songs are always a plus. Yeah. You know, their first record, uh, the, the Midwestern songs, that was like, that's one of the inspirations for like when we do the side A side B stuff, because I think side B on that record is so superior to side A and I enjoy side A and maybe the last song on side A is the best song on the record, but side B is fucking out of this world. So good. Like, Like it's like, one of my favorite pieces of music of all music. Like I would listen to it over and over and over. This is the, um, that's the one that has the, the only good boss is the one that's dead. Fuck them all. That, yeah. That that's one. the last song on side a. Oh, last one song on side a. See, I, yeah. again, I heard it on a CD and it's funny. Here we are again, talking about shit that happened a couple years before the year we're supposed to be focusing on. I was just Here's about to say that I was going to say, Oh, I'm glad you guys all wax poetic about 10 minutes about a 1998 recording and just breezed over the 2000 song choice. <laughs> well, it's just, it's about giving glory to this band that like, I know I'm gotten I'm, to gush I'm, on yet. And it's like literally my favorite band of the last 20 years. I'm just you joking. Know? So, and, and Ben's right. They did carve out their own sound and it's hard to describe. It's very like bass heavy. Like they went for kind of like an offensive sound sonically. Like it doesn't sound pretty. And in a lot of the songs, like, they have like a true like YOLO vibe of like not trying to make everything pretty. So like a lot of the times the music's ugly because it has like this really unique, beautiful, like high voice sitting on the top of it. Like Eric's voice, like kind of ties it all together. But then like this album is not one of their best albums in my opinion, because there's too much Eric. I like, agree. There's not, not enough like Pat and then the other guitarist who have like the burly voices because they're at their best when like the voices kind of bounce off each other. Yep. That's right. You know? I, I, and I think the, the songs are just more memorable on the first album, but like this band never made a bad, bad record in my yeah. opinion. No, I think the first and the third albums are the best. Um, I do think, uh, yeah, I don't know, Dan, I'll take a, I'll take a D four song too, to justify all this time that we spend on them. Um, so I will take, let's see. I'm not hating on any of it. Don't. I'm just joking with you because I always get my knuckles wrapped for, for going outside of the circle. <laughs> yeah. I thought that Ben was going to take mass, maximum piss and vinegar because I think it's the best song on the record. So I'm going to take that. Um, it was between that and wreck the place. Fantastic. Both of which are awesome. Great um, song. I would have picked. I would have picked that was my second choice was wreck the place. Fantastic. Oh my God. It's so good. But maximum piss and vinegar, this song fucking rips everyone listened to on the playlist. And I guarantee you will fall in love with Dillinger four. Um, just the way it comes in. It's like so simple and basic, but like Eric's vocals just carry it. And it's great. They just know how to rock. You know, I used to read this, this fanzine from NorCal, I think at the end of the 2000s, it was called Probe. And it was yeah, funny. I, I used to read it too. It, okay. it, it was weirdly like um, about mainly Bay and, and uh, Seattle style stuff, but was very sex positive as well. Yeah. And I used to love the guy's record reviews because he would just say like, 
I like music that fucking rocks. And it's like, ah, that's like a good way to, to <laughs> decide if you like something or not. Like, does this rock or does this not, you know? And it's like this D4 stuff, this rocks. Like it's not lame, overthought, overproduced bullshit. Like I talk, I think I would talk, I think and talk about the subject sometimes with my friends, um, you know, cause I have multiple friends that are engineers and so forth. And, and I think that just when bands go in with a project so often it's easy to try to make everything sound perfect and try to like overthink and overwork the songs. And the true enemy of punk and hardcore is having things end up sounding stale and safe. Like the, the enemy is not ending up with something that sounds a little wonky or something that doesn't sound perfect. Like the enemy is like it ending up bland. stale and yeah. safe and bland. Beige. Right. Right. And yeah. so that's something that like D4 does so well is they never end up in that zone and it has to be intentional, you know, but, uh, but yeah, check these songs on the playlist. Another thing about Dillinger four is that um, there's n- almost no dynamics. There's no, um, soft parts there's no parts where the instruments cut out it's just like bam <laughs> like it's just like being run over by a mac truck like the entire time from the beginning of the out al- of any album of theirs to the end like there's no breathing room and like boy is it a ride they take you on a- and another thing that in i remember this around this time that people would talk about bands and you know, people like naturally shorten the name of a band. So they don't have to say it a million times. People would say, blah, 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 and then Dillinger. And you'd have to look at someone and try to like scope out, like, are they talking about Dillinger four or Dillinger escape plan? Like based on what <laughs> they had on who they were hanging out with, what show you were at. Like you had to figure that, that shit out. Cause everyone was like, Dan Dillinger. And it was just like a bummer to me where I'd be like, I'd be thinking, eh, they're probably talking about Dillinger escape plan. Yeah, they were because most people would say D four, right? You Would they though? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And Is also we should have funds. Right. And then we, yeah. And then we should <laughs> shout out to the uh, the classic Dillinger for uniform choice ripoff shirt. Music is none of my business. One of the greatest shirts ever. Um, I, one thing I want to say about Dillinger for that I was always jealous of is that, you know, they had their venue in Minneapolis and it always sounded like that it had the coolest shows at it. It always sounded like it just sounded like the best time and I never got to go there. And I was always very jealous. Agreed. It, I've never been. And it always sounded like it was like the, the venue that treated bands like amazingly. Yeah. It was the greatest. I was there. It's the one night that I had walked and it was fucking epic. And I took shots with uh Patty from D4 and Gary from kill your idols Hell with, yeah. our, shirt, with our shirts off. I love that. <laughs> I wish someone had the photo still, but uh, yeah, it was wild. It was, a, that was a wild night that I think we've told the story on the pod. So I won't, I won't brush on it again, but uh, Patty, Patty's chest says, how much art can you take Ted, uh, across the, across it? Yeah, dude. I know. <laughs> they know what's up. They know what's up. All right. Let's go back to Dan for his number three. Okay. Literally. I could take one of probably eight or nine songs off of this LP. 
But I am going to... God, I, I literally, between three songs, it's so hard to decide which one. But I'm going to go Always Have by Count Me Out off of 110. This song starts with the uh, the bass and drums and then uh, a really cool upbeat palm muting part that comes and gets like uh, paired by a, the octave part going quickly too. And it, it just builds up and it's got this super cool build and then boom, possibly one of the best hardcore singers of all time comes in with are you through feeling sorry for yourself like jason mazzola's voice is what hardcore or especially straight edge hardcore should sound like it it, it's so good um i mean i the edgeman in me wanted to go for right for you but i just think musically always have is just a little bit better but you know, uh, the and count me out lyrics while being, um, maybe could be looked at as being somewhat simple. They're framed so well, and then the best part about is the vocal placements. Like he lets the song breathe before he punctuates a line. You know, like he'll hold like half the line will go and then he'll let the music go for a while and then just punctuate the end of the, both the musical line and the lyrical line just perfectly at the end. Um, He's got the voice that can hold one word over something and just sound amazing. I mean, it's no surprise to anyone listening to this, how much I love count me out Um, when they, were scheduled to play United Blood. Both Kim and I had to buy tickets to get out to Richmond, Virginia to see it because we weren't going to miss that shit. Um, Count Me Out will always have a mega special place in my heart. Um, it A little while back, you put up which album is better on uh, 185 Miles South, like letting the, you know, uh, the IG followers like chime in on which is best. And that's like, a total Solomon choice, you know, like I'll just chop both albums in half, you know, uh, I feel, um, glad to have seen them so many times and glad to have these every pressing of every record because I love it. Yeah. I think that we discussed that topic too, when Kim was on the pod before. About yeah. Indecision. What, yeah. On the indecision pod. Um, Mandel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I never knew that, that was a controversy. I always thought that everyone just thought 110 was better. And I think it is so rad how hard people ride for permanent, which I think is a really good album too. But I don't know. I think it's, it's now, now that I listen to permanent more, I think it's a toss up. But 110, when this thing came out, yeah, it just sounds so good. If you look oh. at Spotify, the permanent is winning. If you look at like who the top five, the songs, you know, got that, that yeah, most plays. Four out of five, right? Uh, something like that. Permanence winning, which is like, it's almost like the jawbreaker phenomenon. Like when that fucking, um, I swear, sorry, Anthony Papalardo, I just set, dropped an F bomb. Um, <laughs> when uh, 
Dear You came out, everyone hated it. And then years went by and then people who actually weren't there for, you know, the band's existence got into Jawbreaker posthumously. They decided, hey, Dear You is a great album. This is my favorite Jawbreaker album. I think maybe that happened with Count Me Out too. I don't know. No, I I think Count Me Out were permanent as a post-American Nightmare record, right? And so... um, it can't help but have a little bit of that come in. Um, and also they were on the road a lot more. The thing about, actually, I'm going to say about both records, uh, Brian McTernan knows how to make hardcore records. <laughs> and these are his best too, even better than Give Blood, in my opinion. These sonically are perfect. I would say 110 has more of Count Me Out, uh, channeling chain more than anyone and i would say uh permanent has that chain meets an uh and also octave core being big time uh part of the early arts you know but they're amazing um, tasteful octave core on this yes yeah. If you, um, if anyone out there fuck then i don't want to actually have to mail stuff to anyone but uh, when I, I ordered something from Indecision recently, and you know, you put the two pieces of cardboard on both sides of the record within the LP mailer, he put um, on like perfect count me out 110 LP covers uh, on both sides of the record that I ordered. So I have these like LP covers. If you want to frame them, uh, I guess you're going to have to come and get them. But like, <laughs> if anyone wants that, I have, I have two. What a what a kind gift! If anyone wants this, seek me out and mm-hmm. <laughs> make me give you one of these. Yeah, you're gonna have to come and find me, and you're gonna have to pry these these record covers from my cold dead hands. <laughs> you have to pay for shipping too. Oh God, that's why I don't even want to. Whatever. Yeah. I just don't want to throw them out though. Like I was like, should I throw these out? Like there's no record inside of them. I'm like, ah, I, I, it feels wrong. They look so beautiful. Same, yeah. same happened for me from Rev recently. I got two perfect nothing to hides. Yeah. Side well, dude, of one time from Rev, I got uh, the reason to believe LP cover. And it's funny because I, I had a test press of that LP and I sold it to this guy. And then I was like, Oh, I have a reason to leave LP cover. Let me just include it as a nice thing to this dude. And uh, I mailed it to him. And then he like got all suspicious. Like, is this really a test press? Like, why do you, why did it come with the cover? Mike, uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> I, don't <know> <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Just trying to, trying to be cool. Like, and I'm, and I'm not. So my bad. Um, the cover art's very Jade tree. Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. Kim, let's go to you for your number three. Well, I'm going to keep talking about Count Me Out, uh, and I'm going to choose 110 from 110. Uh, This was very difficult for me to choose, uh, like Daniel said. Uh, I've talked about Count Me Out before on the pod. One of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, Flew out to see them at United Blood because I couldn't miss it. And this record for me, although permanent is great, I've gotten into arguments with people. 110 is it for me. Uh, And picking a song off of this album is so, I picked three different songs because I was like, I, I mean, if, even if they're all taken, it'd be fine. I could pick whichever. So uh, 
yeah, this record holds a very special place in my heart. I I loved seeing them live at Che, and uh, I think Mazzola's voice is a perfect hardcore voice. I love it. I got four on my list too, and it's funny because you two pick songs that I don't have, so I got four different ones. How about that? Oh yeah, <laughs> I had I literally had seven written down <laughs> like, off of this i mean it could have been easily best of me what we built like it could have been any of them you know um yeah i switched my song literally two minutes ago i was the, going to go best of me and i moved one ten up so well, the great thing about uh 110 is the way he does the yeah the first time like yeah. I, I love that yeah in there you can tell when you've listened to a record so many times that you pick those like tiny little things that yeah. you the love. The best thing about 110 is the Blue Oyster Cult breakdown on the end of Far From Close. Yeah. It's like one of the greatest things in the history. Of it's so musical and so great. Yeah. And again, and, like... And I, the instrumental is so great as well. Yeah. It's like the youth crew, the youth crew Tom thing is like kind of played out, except when you put it in like interesting things like this, like talking about like the hundred demons or talking about like this count me out breakdown where like the riff sounds like blue oyster cult and they're doing like the toms under it. Do you know what? Does that, I'll never be played out on youth crew toms ever. (laughs) I'll never be played out on it. I want it in every song. I want it in Kanye West songs. I want it in Iron Maiden songs. (laughs) Like, yeah, but, but just when, when third rate youth crew bands do it as a transition to the breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the bus coming down the street at that point, you know, um, not to mention like you know you're talking about that is like colin is one hell of a drummer you know all right let's go to ben for your number three number three okay i'm picking this so that i can get to it before dan and it is in my eyes and the song song is for the moment did you oh no no i've got a different one you didn't have that one i had an alternate but um this is a song I also picked on the Rev Super 7, but there's no rule, I believe, against picking the same song in two separate Super 7s. Is no, there- because because they, they're, they're in the Venn diagram of two different worlds. You know, One is Revelation, and then the other one is um, This Year. And if it happens to sit in both uh, parts of your Venn diagram, by all means, grab it. Yeah. Um, so this is the one of the only examples that comes to mind of a band whose best record actually did come out in the year 2000. <laughs> and we yeah. learned and we learned this like a couple of weeks ago because I think Discogs has it as 1999. Something on the internet says it came out in 99 and and uh Anthony was like, "Nope, it definitely came out in 2000." It's like, "Yes, I can use it." Um so um that nineties youth crew thing was winding down. And this is kind of sort of the last big slash good record from that era. Um, I wish we had a little, you know, Baba Booey intercom where Anthony could chime in and, and give some background on this song. Cause I don't really know anything about it except that I like it. It's fast tuneful straight edge hardcore that avoids the melodrama of a lot of their other uh, contemporaries around you know this time and a lot of the stuff i'm gonna list today 
as good as it is, uh, I don't really listen to on a regular basis. And this record, I actually do listen to on a regular basis. So this has got to be my most listened to record that came out in the year 2000. All right. I'm going to pick my number three and I am going with a great band that put out their best record this year. And it's E-Town Concrete. I'm taking the song Shady off the Second Coming LP. Came out on Triple Crown Flash Final Beatdown. And uh, this song is so fucking good. It's a hardcore diss track. Um, But this album, I I think we talked about it before. It was the 2000s episode, Daniel, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we did 2000, 2004, whatever. And I love this record. I think it's like pretty close to perfect for this mashup style like e-town on the first record and the demos and so forth they're really trying to find a sound they're trying to do something different um but it's raw i still enjoy it and then after this album i don't know maybe it went a little too far for me or they're maybe trying to write hooks too much or just trying to write good songs but this is like the perfect mashup of both where it's like it's like tough guy hardcore mixed with like something kind of unique and whatever. And this fucking song is so good. Uh, the version on the EP, the fuck the world EP is better, but this one came out in the year 2000. Um, it has the classic line. This goes out to kids. This representing this goes out to touch <laughs> tough guys teaching lessons. Fucking great rhyme. And also I like when any band yells their own band name during a song. And they have that one part where they go E town, like when the mosh comes in. So ill. Well, they're, want... they're shouting out Elizabeth, right? Yeah, and also at the, the same point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I want that bravado and hardcore. I want bands talking about how dope they are. I know you do. I fucking love that. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's severely missing. Let and me, a- let me ask you something real quick. Please do. Are there any end bombs in this song? Uh, well, it is an E-Town Concrete song from 20 years ago. I believe there's there's probably one. Okay, yeah. just just asking. Everyone what's can check it out on the playlist. What's the ethnic background of the singer? I do not know. Okay, so maybe. Why are you setting us up with all these questions we don't know the answers to? Well, maybe it's okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, this is my pick. And this song is dope, so check it out on the playlist. And Daniel is, or yeah, Daniel, let's go to you for your number four. Don't be shady. Check it out. It's S H A Y D E E. Double E. Oh, wow. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Big E Town fan over here, Dan, right? Um, I'm going to play, I'm going to play. Oh God! See, Ben just went with in my eyes, and I would would have taken take the risk. But I'm glad he took in my eyes, and they got some shine with the S H Y N E. So I'm gonna I'm going blocking Kim here. Fuck what fireworks stand for by American Nightmare. I'm not necessarily blocking it per se, but um, (laughs) (laughs) this is maybe uh, my favorite American Nightmare song. I I know I love uh, Postmark and I love IC off of 
um, background music. But this one, this is the song that made me know that they were special in songwriting within hardcore. Um, it starts out super cool, um, <laughs> like like a good traditional hardcore song, but by the point it gets to the, I don't fucking care, like the gang vocal of that going into it, and then it's got the call and the response, like, down, down, down. Like, it's an exceptionally written song, um, lyrically, of course. I mean... He is a phenomenal lyricist. Uh, And just the way that this song flows from, you know, noisy gate open uh, hardcore that they perfected perfectly to, dare I say it, like an epic catchy part going on, but filled with so much despair and rage all the way through. It's incredible. Fuck what fireworks to four from the AN seven inch. Bump it. Yeah, I mean you can't talk about the year two thousand without having AN, right? I mean, this is another one we've talked about several times on the pod. Like, there's before a band and after a band, and yeah. it's undeniable the stamp that AN puts on hardcore. You know, just talking about like the Count Me Out LP, right? There's the Count Me Out LP before them and after them. It's like it's undeniable the influence is there and. You know, I would put money that, you know, Dan or Dan, you'll probably pick like a carry on seven inch or song off the seven inch from this year. And there's like that pre and post American Nightmare. You know, like this seven inch is very straightforward. Their LP is definitely American Nightmare influenced. Like they just, they were just an epic force. They were undeniable on record and live, you know, and they missed me with the first two seven inches. I didn't. It didn't resonate with me. It wasn't until like well after background music came out that like I, I learned to like love it and appreciate it. And mostly just because I loved that something so sonically offensive was so popular, like loving the idea of that because there's so much safe sounding music in the late nineties that like it was rad that something so abrasive could get like the masses behind it. Yeah. Like this and, and converge both so harsh to your eardrums to an extent, but still have some musicality that hooks you in. Um, the, the, not to mention the incredible artwork for the for the Bridge Nine Seven Inch, you know, with the fold over in the middle, with the uh, the kind of the belt that goes around it um, that holds the packaging together. It, incredible artwork by uh, Jacob Bannon, super cool. Kim, let's go to you for your number four. Cool. I'm going to go with Striking Distance, Filter. All right. It was, uh, I love Striking Distance. I could have picked any of these songs. I love Dave Bird. I love Dave Bird's voice. Um, I love seeing Striking Distance live. I love him hitting himself with the mic so many times he ends up bloody uh you know seeing striking distances uh a, a fun time and uh at united blood when we went out to see count me out they played the night before and 
Dave Bird still hit himself in the face and was bloody at the end of the show. So it was a perfect show. Yeah, um, stitches. <laughs> so uh, I know that when I pick music, and I've talked about this before, I pick uh, things that rile emotion in me or from memories and and seeing Striking Distance with Count Me Out and Over My Dead Body in San Diego at Che are some of my favorite shows. So um didn't that tour go to showcase as well i think yeah 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 so Uh, and cherry's pizza too yeah so uh yeah i i love striking distance so i'm i'm gonna pick them as well for my number four yeah i love this seven inch and uh we played with them in 01 in vienna virginia i believe and i think it's before the first record comes out, the LP on Thorpe. Um, so they just have the seven inches, what I know. And yeah, I got two songs off a seven inch too, um, but not this one. And that show is wild. It was in a basement. Ben, you were there too. I don't know if you watched them or not. Um, yeah, I did. I did. They, they covered Circle Jerks and Void. Yeah. Yeah. They so when, when we would play with them, we would do Your X and they would do Void. And so it was a, the split was happening. Yeah, it was wild they, uh, I love that. They, yeah, that's super cool. They uh, they did like a strobe light in this basement show, and it was so brutal because like getting moshed like in slow motion, <laughs> strobe light. Like, oh, here comes a giant limb that's gonna whack me, you know. And you see like the three frames before it's like oof, you know, it was rough, but super ill. Probably the best. Well, Houston, Texas was the best show of the tour. But that was probably the second best. And uh, yeah, nothing but love for starting distance. Ben, you want to talk on this or should we go to you for your number four? Oh, I was just looking at the label that put this out. Um, Dave Brown's label, Vicious Circle Records. Very odd discography. They put out a comp in 1990 that had like <laughs> face value and endpoint and gut instinct on it. And then a couple more random records, random meaning I never heard of them in the early nineties. And then they start putting out records again in the, in 1999. It's, I I just don't know anything about this label. Did they put out a scance? A scance? Yeah. Did he put out a scance or step aside? Step aside. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What are you even saying right now? I'm I'm dropping some deep RVA knowledge here. Oh shit. Oh, Shout out Four Walls Falling. Shout out Tommy Anthony. Yeah, shout out Tommy. Um, all right, Ben, let's go to you for your number four. Number four. One, two, three, four. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, I'm going to do this one first. Shout out Jimmy Step. Um, <laughs> Amendment 18, the song Eulogy. Um, this is my favorite Amendment 18 song. It's from the first LP called All My Heroes Are Dead. Um, this song was also on their 1998 demo, a different recording of it. I played lots of shows on bass with them in 2003, mostly in Europe. And this is the only song of theirs I knew all the words to. And it's actually a dis, a hardcore diss track. It's about Dana Mahoney being an edge breaker. And, uh, now that Isaac isn't straight edge anymore either, I'm sure it doesn't make a difference, but it's still a good song. Um, and it's so biting. It's the ultimate, I can't believe I looked up to you and you let me down kind of song. Um, and it's just like, you can't have heroes. It's just a bad idea. Um, 
just pick and choose aspects of people you like, appreciate them for those things and leave it at that. Like it's a, it's like a life lesson being learned in real time. You know, like you just don't, don't look up to people. I mean, do you know, do you know what? Arguably though, part of the straight edge experience is being let down by your heroes. That's part of what it is. And that's what fuels these songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. And it's, you're basically listening to people working through a lesson that they are learning, you know, <laughs> cause you're going to reach the conclusion of like, I guess I shouldn't have heroes, you know, no one is perfect, but it's a really good song. And, um, it's, uh, it's got that great breakdown um, in these days of disgrace. I don't know. I guess not that many people were into this band. I really like this song. Well, Isaac was like, you know, they weren't super popular. And so they played smaller shows and then he was very abrasive. Like I remember being at a show once and I think he like told everyone to sit down, you know, and it's like, well, that's awkward. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like people are at shows to have fun and not to be told what to do. He, he played it in a PCH club show um, once and in the middle of his set, like the next band was like loading their equipment through the front door. And he goes, all right, next band loading their equipment in while we're in the middle of playing a set. Way to go, dude. And like, <laughs> it's like, is that that bad to do? I don't think that's bad, that bad of a thing to do. I don't know. Yeah. At least they're not cluttering up the stage. Like what you want that guy's amp, like up on your, drummer's shoulder what yeah it's not like they were setting up their equipment while they were like playing the set they were like behind they were like on the other side of the audience walking in the front door and now from that point forward todd tyler anytime you know someone does something dumb he'll he'll say way to go dude (laughs) 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 yeah cool pick i like it it. love it records um all right, my number four. It's time to take a Madball song. And this is hard because this whole album is fucking great. I want to take Confessions really bad because it's like the straightforward hardcore song. And the way they come into the breakdown is brilliant. And also, we talk on this pod about not enjoying when a band repeats the second verse. Although this is a caveat that I enjoy. I do like when bands go to the second verse, but the second verse is cut in half and then it goes to like a different part. I think that's kind of cool because you get that feeling of going back to the second verse, but then it doesn't feel too repeaty because they make a quick right turn on you. But I got to go. Can't stop. Won't stop. It's the (laughs) the first song off the record and New York style and just breaks in. And it's just like, what the fuck? How did they do it? How is their fourth album? Maybe their best album. Like, and it just grabs you. And the song is so short, you know? And so they go from like a fast part to like a slow part, kind of, I guess. Like they do like a drop beat with like the ring outs and then comes back into the classic, like Madball riffing with fucking Freddie spitting over the top of it. And it's everything you want from Madball. It's a perfect Madball song, which means it's a perfect hardcore song. Living and by the gun. So good. Can't stop, won't stop. That's my pick. Madball from Hold It Down, year 2000, Epitaph Records. Shout out, Smelly. 
<laughs> it's <a> great. <laughs> and and noodles. Yeah, shout out noodles. Oh, yeah, Epitaph, sure. Epitaph alumni. Yep. It's a fucking great pick. I mean, I'm glad all three of those songs are on here because they they all deserve to be on uh, for the year 2000. The year 2000. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be sick of me cutting that in by this point. I'm telling you. It's, too it's, good. The only, it's the only year where you have to say the year before you say the year. You know what I mean? You don't just say 2000. You have to say the year 2000. No other year you do that with. Well, listen up, New Jack. Back when we turned to year 1000, we used to say it back then, too. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's point. Back in the Viking days. Yeah. So, you know, pull up a chair. Grown folks is talking over here. <laughs> All right, let's shoot it back to Dan for your number five. Man, a tough guy's dropping lessons or whatever that line is. <laughs> this goes out to kids that's representing. This one goes out to tough guys teaching lessons. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm gonna. Pre- I'm going to. Oh God, I'm gonna leave off so many good songs, but I am going to fulfill Zach's prophecy. And go roll with the punches. Carry on. So fast, <laughs> Todd's strumming is out of control. Um, Ryan's vocals amazing. The rest of the band, like Corey and Co., just killing it. Amazing backup vocals. X your fist. Show me what's left inside. I'm sick of everyone's excuses. I want to tear them down, let down before, but, and then, and, and as we said, uh, on many discussions of youth of today before, like, I love a fast mosh part breakdown that you could, if you, you know, thought about the song, you could also hear it in a different tempo and it, it having like a crazier, like drawn out version. But I just love when it's like, very quick and it just breezes right by you and you're just like oh my god that is just unrelenting amazing hardcore um this whole seven inch is incredible i've got to say that this is lyrically uh really cool commentary on on uh the end of the you know the 97 era to an extent and um it's it's just a fucking perfect hardcore song. Carry on were very impressive uh as a band and very impressive live around this time and this song is just so fucking good. Roll with the punches. Check it out. Yeah, Todd's right hand definitely gets into the hardcore hall of fame off this song. Yeah. That tremolo style. Um it's just it's fucking great. I'll just believe in my friends. Love this seven inch. So good. Um, let's go to you, Kim, for your next one. Uh, okay, so uh, okay. Okay. So I can't <laughs> believe it took that long to get American Nightmare on. Uh like talked about for two thousand, but that just shows how many Good albums came out in the year 2000. Uh, I'm going to pick Farewell. I think I've picked Farewell before uh, in a different, when we did a different 
podcast. So uh, it's one of my favorite songs. I love this record. I don't, it's hard to pick. I had two other songs picked just in case. Um, Obviously Daniel picked uh, Fuck What Fireworks Stand For, which is a great song. And yeah, I'm surprised it took this long to say an American Nightmare song for this year, but. Did, did, um, was that for Massachusetts or I mean, Boston or was that for something no, it else? Was, it was the first super seven, the the intro to hardcore. Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, to mention, uh, Jesse Wright brigade is on this as well, which gives you a little added flavor. Yeah, so we didn't have to talk to, about it to death, but American Nightmare. I feel like one of the best bands that I got to see in my hardcore time. So, Which is still going. I mean, yeah, sure. COVID's happening, so there's no hardcore. It's in your mind. Oh, okay. You can't stop what I'm bringing. Hey, the end of 2021 <laughs> is going to be lit. I can't wait. It is. It's going to be awesome, dude. When me and Dan see Gulch and take our shirts off and go slam. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be then, then it's a whole new strain. <laughs> all the all the vomiting that happens. <laughs> oh, speak for yourself, man. I want to know how American Nightmare got their name back. Remember they had to change their name? So and now they're American Nightmare again? I don't know. I guess I should talk to a lawyer about that. <laughs> I think that other band stopped being a band, so it stopped being a contentious issue i think yeah i think we can all agree that other band sucks yeah the rockabilly band right i can't remember they're from like oh, are they well then they were they definitely suck they were a psycho billy band even. psycho billy oh god oh, no. terrible <laughs> all right okay well ben let's go to you for your number five number five one two three four Shit, i only have two left i know <laughs> okay i'm gonna pick a song from a compilation that In Control is not on. And I don't know why they're not on this compilation because they should be. It's called Memories of Tomorrow. Yeah. Why aren't they? I don't know. It's not right. Um, the song is called Ultra Delid and it is by the band Gaspacho. Uh, yeah. Gaspacho, Gaspacho is from Goleta, California. And they actually broke up in 1999 but this song came out in 2000 so it counts um gazpacho didn't give a fuck about the seriousness of the hardcore scene they just thought it was funny and they made fun of it like they would play shows where they just go like jun 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 like at the end they like ran out of songs to play it so they're like let's just pretend to be like a mosh band and like like scream into the mic and play chug music they were Um, jud jud yeah well no they were actually like playing their instruments (laughs) Um, but, and they were just like, so pure, they were like high school kids playing melodic punk. They covered, they used to cover uh rat patrol by naked Ray gun. And that's kind of what they sounded like. Jamie Sanitate played bass in this band before I formed fields of fire with him, which was towards the end of 99. Noel Sullivan was the drummer. And of course he ended up in holier than thou life salt fields of fire, annihilation time, Letris gaze temple um, tattoo. Yeah, he's a tattoo artist now. No, and he's he's at Temple Tattoo. That's where I usually see him. <laughs> just, just hanging. I had no idea those two dudes were in the band. Like, that's wild. I don't remember that at all. I thought that they were all young kids. But I guess just the singer was young? 
They were all the same age. They were class of nine. Yeah, Noel is young compared of, to us. They sure. were class of, class of 2000. They graduated high school in 2000, all of them, I think. Okay. Um, and they were around from 97 to 99, I believe. I actually asked Jamie about this. I go, I'm going to talk about this on a podcast. I need to get the facts right. Um, ultra, ultra delid is a made up word that basically means ultra dildo. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means, but they had songs with titles like emo Jurassic park. They were just like, we don't give a fuck, but at the same time, they were really fucking good. And they were just on their own trip. And the singer Isaiah would, this is like inside knowledge. (laughs) The singer, when they were doing band practice, he would make the band play the same song over and over and over again until everyone else in the band went insane and wanted to kill them, kill him. Like, wait, let's do that again. That wasn't perfect. Let's do that again. That wasn't perfect. Like, we want to kill you. And then they broke up when the guitarist, Paul, said he wanted to start writing music that sounded like Dillinger's Escape Plan and refused. (laughs) (laughs) Which is hilarious. Because that's the furthest thing from the style of music that they were playing. (laughs) It's like, hey, let's play. Let's be fucking pop country. Come on, let's do this. Like, what? So, um. God damn, what a great band. Anyway, everybody listen to this. It's it's on Spotify. So it might be their only song on Spotify. I'm not sure about that. I think so, because they only did two demos, right? And one one demo got put onto a seven inch uh in like maybe like two years, like 2001-ish, like after they broke up. And that Whoa. was that was Jean Luc Headline Records put that out. Headline Headline <laughs> actually put out oh, shit. How did I miss that? I gotta I gotta get that. Someone sent me a Gaspacho seven inch. I might have two copies. I might. Oh, how about that? I don't know the the seven inch that skate punks ended up on. I didn't get that either. And you don't have two copies. I don't, but I might have two copies of Gaspacho because I saw one at a record store like five years ago, and I'm like, I already own this, but it's only three dollars, so I'm gonna buy it again. Yeah, I would like a skate punk seven inch. Yeah, well, I got the skate punks on my uh, discogs, and I'm waiting for it to come for under five bucks. So, but anyone, uh, <laughs> if you want to go get a count me out, out LP cover from Ben, go get that. And then, uh, grab me that gazpacho seven inch bring it to me in San Diego. We don't, we don't want to make Ben go out of his way to go to the post office or, or even just do anything. True. True. <laughs> Ben's pro chilling. Okay. I'm going to take my number He's five. Cold chilling. He's cold chilling. That's right. He is the author. Um, G- good God, man. All right. I'm taking my number five and. Dan took Dead at Birth. I'm choosing the only song that's better than that on that record. Nah. This song is Disgrace. Disgrace. Yeah. And you knew it, huh? Yeah, I knew I knew if if I took Dead at Birth, you were going Disgrace. If you took Dead at Birth, I was going Disgrace. Yeah, and then you Kim know. took one of them before because I thought Kim might be the wild card and get one. I yeah, Out- Outcast is good too. Yeah, Outcast yeah. is my backup. Okay. So, uh, good. Yeah, those are the best three. This one is like, dude, him writing like these sellout lyrics, so fucking good. Like, what the fuck do you want from me? Because you don't give a fuck about my scene. And I could give two fucks about you. (laughs) Vicariously through. Oh, my God. I love that. That's such a. But we don't know who you you are. And like the tempo change right there is so great. You dropped out. After a year, you're fucking fake, you're fucking insincere. Yeah. Like his vocal <laughs> on the song <laughs> are absolutely perfect. 
you know, like you're gone longer than you were here. Yeah. It's like <laughs> what a blast. He, yes. The way he sings is like made for this song. Like this is the perfect mashup of yes. death threat music and Aaron Knuckles vocals. Yeah, like yeah. the marriage is here. You know, it's so perfect. This is the shit that people who don't get this band would would try and clown. And that's why they're so fucking wrong about this band. Do you know what I mean? What, like what I, aspect I, would they clown? I would just say that the same way that, you know, I can tongue-in-cheek have a chuckle at, at uh, E-Town with you, you know, some people would be disrespectful to this in the same way saying like the simplicity of the lyrics and the fact that it is hip hop swagger in punk. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I didn't, I didn't make a name for myself for you to claim it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's what's so ill is like, no, that's what I'm saying. If you don't get it, you just don't get it. And well, that's and also like only someone with that level of confidence can pull this off. Yeah. Right? And have it not come off lame. Like, it's the same with talking about that, the bridge part in that Madball song, the, you can't stop what I'm bringing. Right. Like Freddie yeah, can pull it, it off. Cause he's Freddie. Aaron can pull all this stuff off. Cause he's Aaron. It's like, and, and it's two singers that are perfect for their band. You know, like you literally cannot slide someone else in there and make it work. Even like some of the best hardcore singers out there, you know, like they just wouldn't work. doing. Well, the, the thing, the thing that makes all of this work more than anything is sincerity. This is so fucking sincere. Like, I didn't build the scene for you to disgrace it. I don't make a name for myself for you to claim it, you know? Like, I am here every weekend going to shows and putting on shows and touring and doing all this. So if you fucking come here and disgrace it, I'm taking it as a personal assault, you know? And that's why the person who's being sung about is a fucking disgrace. Yeah, and I love hardcore songs about hardcore. Yeah, like, me too. I'm not ashamed of that. You know, I've I've heard people address like, you know, we should sing about bigger things and yeah, you can. There's a lot of records are long. Even a even an EP, you can address other things, but when a song about hardcore is good and clever and like the the singer nails it, there's not much better. Like this is my favorite kind of music. Like I'm unapologetic about liking things that the rest of the world doesn't understand about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's that going back to that hardcore handshake. And it's also going about to, you know, taking care of, of your own, like doing the, the, what do they say? Like housework or whatever, like making sure that there are these messages still going through that are keeping this thing of ours on the straight and narrow. Right. Because hardcore is more than music. Yeah. Hate to break it to you, Ben. <laughs> no, I, I agree that it's more than music, but it is also music. Is okay. that okay to believe that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hard, hardcore handshake, Ben. We're agreeing. All right. <laughs> and let's go back to you, Dan, for your number six. Oh, God. All right. I've already got my number seven locked and loaded, so now it is the heartbreak time because I know what I want to end on. All right, I'm going to pick between two bands that have a very 
very similar. <clears throat> and this means I'm leaving off no reply and life salt, unfortunately. I'm going to pick between, you know what? Fuck it. So the two bands that I was going to choose between were Tragedy, and I was going to do Intro, The Point of No Return, off the self-titled Tragedy record. You know, there's two full rounds left, Dan, for the rest of us, too. Yeah, we're on round six, bro. Yeah, I know. but I, uh, And the band I'm going to choose that has a somewhat similar sound, but maybe was even more incredible in the year 2000, is Run For Your Fucking Life, 38 milligrams. Yeah. Now, there's going to be some people listening to this that have never heard them. I really, really, really recommend that you uh, enjoy this playlist. Uh, This is the most no-bullshit, straight-ahead, hardcore assault that um, that take uh, one part Gehenna, one part Filth, one part Swing Kids, and one part negative approach and put it in a band that does not give a fuck about who you are, who you, <laughs> you know, what you're claiming, anything like that. They are just giving you the most straight kick in the teeth, brutal, um, distressed, um, distorted hardcore that is just fast and just amazing. One of the best bands to come out of San Diego. What song did you pick? 38 milligrams. The first song on the 10 inch. Um, it's, so it has this. Uh, yeah. 12 inch. Why did I say? Because it's a 45 RPM, 12 inch. That's why my mind uh, spazzed. Um, I know where it is in my record collection. It's not. Yeah. It's not in the it, shameful 10 inch section. It <laughs> it has this um, rise and it does a bah, bah, but in the most unpredictable way. It it's I'm never good about speaking about the musical side of of uh, these songs. I can never you know do the riff on cue like Zach does. So just listen to it. So good. And the funny thing is, Jeff and Jason from this band did a very crimp shrine-esque in the in the mid to late 90s called the kids de chula vista they did a band that sounded very crimp shine uh very 15 very pop punk like that and then the next band they do is this holy fucking shit what a what a 180 you know amazing and the kids are great too so check them out as well but listen to this enjoy it yeah, this is a band that is hard for me to nail down the songs. That's why I didn't have them on my list. I'm glad you chose this. And I do believe I have doubles of this. So the first, <laughs> the first Patreon. Go get it from Ben. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. The first guy that's a Patreon, guy or girl that's a Patreon, hit me up through the Patreon site and let me know you want it. And I will mail you my double. I won't make you come pick it up like Ben does. <laughs> I will mail it to you. And uh, yeah, this record is great. And then also it's, it's pretty available out there. So it's like a $5 record on Discogs. So do it. This is like one of the most underrated bands of the era. I'm so glad that Dan put it on his list. Um, Cause this LP rips. And I think it's 
it's one of those records where you want to listen the whole thing through. It's not like a track skipper, you know? And, and I kind of, that's like I was saying, I had trouble choosing a song off this because I think it's best like ingested as like a full piece of music. But uh, this is the first song on the LP and it, the only reason that it's being probably chosen over a couple of others is the, just the sonic attack that it comes in with, you know, you drop that needle and you're like fucking strap, strap in. You know? Yeah. It, Daniel doesn't want to admit he turns it off after three tracks and listens to Whitney. <laughs> no, I listen to Whitney on, on the other turntable and I just have the, the uh, crossfader in the middle and just oh. do the ultimate mashup. DJ Sizzler. What's up? <laughs> Love Didn't um, one of them pass away pretty recently, right? Jason yeah. Whedon, probably yeah. about a year and a half ago. We did a yes. tribute episode. Yep. So Rest in peace, out. Jason. Jason worked at Pokies for a long time and was, inc- I mean, he was an incredible person. Um, and he was an incredibly kind person to people that weren't from the area that would come to Pokies. You know, like punk and hardcore kids would always like end up at pokies because that's the recommendation and he would oh you you know you guys are in a band blah 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 and just as so nice and made everyone feel so welcome and then also would give them other recommendations of places to go and show them around san diego so never judge don for not wanting to get the cabbage salad (laughs) don is right on that one i love the cabbage salad dude you're tripping i know but that's the good thing if you and i go to pokies you get my cabbage salad. That's true. And it, it didn't touch on any meat either, so I can eat it. Yep. Kim, what is your opinion on the Pokies cabbage salad? Uh, no opinion, because I've never gotten that. That sounds disgusting. But No, it's the, uh, it's the little side. No, I've never, I've never eaten that. No. Sounds... <laughs> no, I'll never <laughs> eat that. Be brave. Come on. Uh, I love Run For Your Fucking Life. I also feel like we talked about this on... Uh, another podcast i can't remember which one uh but uh that i am gonna jump in and just do mine because i had run for your fucking life and tragedy neck and neck for my sixth spot so i'm gonna pick tragedy since you picked run for your fucking life and i'm gonna go point of no return because that was on my list do you respect as well We'll we'll let you have it if you want. Thanks, I appreciate it. As long as Dan's on the pod, we get you get these these benefits. <laughs> one song into the other, if chosen. Yeah, I mean, so tragedy. Uh, I always felt like it was a punch in the face seeing them in a good way. Uh, I I don't know how to explain seeing tragedy to somebody. I feel bad. That you, if you did not get to experience seeing tragedy, um, and I think we talked about this on the Northwest podcast that we did with Chris, talking about um, how we've all seen tragedy and and some of our favorite shows. Yeah, the best one ever at the Che, where uh, Ati, <laughs> Chad, and I threw a, a an entire carpet on, t- on top of the entire pit. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I picked tragedy. Yeah, and tragedy kicking out all the drunk crust punks for themselves, <laughs> putting down their instruments, getting off the stage and grabbing them and literally, you know, like in a cartoon where 
like Bluto will grab uh, Popeye by the <laughs> the scruff of the neck and the waist, <laughs> throw him out the door. That's what tragedy would do into all those uh, drunk punks. It was very funny. God, if people didn't already think we were fossils, now we're talking about the Popeye cartoon. <laughs> we're not talking about the Popeye movie with Robin Williams. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Shout uh, out. Shout out to who? I said shout out spinach. Oh, shout out spinach. I thought you were going to say shout out to the octopus that he punches at the end of the, the, end of the movie. <laughs> That's not vegan, dude. Punching octopuses is not vegan. It isn't. But that was my favorite part of the movie. But that was before I was vegan. I The thing I remember about tragedy around this time is Alex from the PCH Club, Alex Maciel, saying, yo, tragedy is the biggest band right now, and they put out their own records. Yeah. And that, and of course, you know, there's examples of that going back to like Crass and Bad Religion and Black Flag and Dead Kennedys, blah, blah, blah. Minor threat. Minor threat. But for some reason, that was so strange to hear about someone doing in this era like eh, tragedy could have been on any label they wanted. And they were just like, we're putting out our own records. So, and now like if a band like that, you'd expect a band like that almost to put, to put, be putting out their own records. It's not strange at all, but back then it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. a hard record. Uh, at least the vengeance LP to like figure out what version you have. Like Discogs has failed me before. I think <laughs> I have two copies of that too, but uh, yeah. Right, Patreons get clicking. Nope. I'll, I'll get my run for the fucking life, but I'm not selling my second tragedy. <laughs> um, yeah, this is great. And I think maybe now I will not take them. I needed them. They had to be on here because year 2000, like just yeah. like American nightmare tragedy is the other band of this year. That is like a complete game changer. For you sure. Know? Like those two are the ones like there's before and after. Also, how sick is the vocal part that ends this song where the other voice like answers the question? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's so. It, when no one reads them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, so I fucking good. love it. Yeah. But Confessions of a Suicide Addict is the song, guys. Come I on. was going to say Chemical Imbalance. Oh. Also, that's a. Confessions has banger. like. It's when they they roll into like that other groove that they hit so well, like the da na na, you know, and then it goes yeah. fast too. So it's like all of what makes tragedy <laughs> great is in that song. But True. you know, intro into point of no return, you can't fuck with it. Yeah, but the chemical imbalance like is fast and and ha- aggressive, and then it drops like when the actual vocals come in, it goes really slow, and it's that catches you off as well. They're really creative songwriters, and I love it. I love them. Yeah, and just sounds so beefy. Oh, yeah. It is so gnarly. Um, absolutely love it. And Ben, let's go to you for your number six. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about, about the the kind of general trends of hardcore in the year 2000 was the whole 625 Thrashcore thing. Like that label started in 93, but it really became a huge segment of the hardcore community around 2000 do you did you get that vibe too yes okay so absolutely because so life salt does a seven inch which is i believe 98 and this is the year they do the split with no reply and Mm -hmm. then they do the what happens next split comes last the scholastic death demo comes out 
Yeah, all that stuff. In 2002. It was more of a blip than a game changer. Like it got it got too larpy and like people kind of fell out yeah. of it, I think. They bent the brims upwards. <laughs> the brims yeah. got bent too high and people were like, nope. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, I think that's a that's a good point, Ben. And and also that genre should be mentioned for bands that put out like their own records, right? Like Spaz put out their own records. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah. Spaz is a little different lane than like the bandana thrash stuff, but but still it's a lot of the same dudes. But the know. whole fast core thing, I mean, of course, people stopped pretending to be look like they were in suicidal tendencies <laughs> shortly after this. But the the especially in the in the Latin communities in, in in the San Gabriel Valley in East LA, like this sound is a really big deal. Like even if they don't look like you know flipped up hat dudes, it's that's it. I think it might still carry on to this day. But what do I know? I'm not hanging out in backyards anymore. Yeah, it, it lost the larpiness, but the sound carries on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. For my number six pick, I will not pick something on 625 Thrashcore. <laughs> I will pick something that is the total opposite of that. The band staring back with a song called Got No Game from their Many Will Play album. Um, it is pop punk. It's from Galita, like Gaspacho. Um, it's more from the school of the descendants and the poppier side of Lifetime. Uh, Jeff Capra played guitar. And he was, you know, in a million bands, including he was my bandmate in Broken Needle and my bandmate in Surprise Vacation. Um, Nick Rucker played drums. He was a recording engineer. He did the that Fields of Fire, Keep It Alive EP. They were just a band I saw a lot. And I saw it play in a lot of backyards up in Goleta uh, right around the time I was graduating college. And they're a good band. And they just like, and they're really like technically proficient. Like these guys really knew how to play their instruments. And this is my favorite song of theirs. And I think this is, they only have maybe three records and this is probably the best one. So they're breaking that rule of putting, not putting out your best record in the year 2000. Did, do any of you remember this band at all? <laughs> no. no. I remember um, the name only. From the maybe year. they never really played outside of Santa Barbara. I don't know. Or maybe they played with a lot of pop punk bands, but. I don't really like a lot of, I think the fact that they kind of had a Descendants Lifetime streak to them was like enough for me. Well, Jeff, I'm, I'm interested in listening to it. What is that about Jeff? He can't be in a shitty band. Yeah, he won't, he won't allow himself to do that. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Dan, what were you saying? Sorry. I'll say I'm looking forward to listening to it on the playlist because, uh, yeah, I don't know him. All right, my number six. Fucking A. Um, I think I got to choose the ultimate pussy song off the Killer Idols LP, which is the song Remain. And man, Autumn is so good. This song's so good too. I, I had four Killer Idols songs. After all, Autumn again, but I'm going to break that the three A songs and go with Remain. This song, it starts kind of like with I don't know what you call that, like a reggae or a slow ska part. Give me some reggae. <laughs> Give me some reggae. But then when it kicks in, it's like, oh, so good. Again, like just to kill your idol song that gets you in the feel the feels. And like Andy's voice over the top of like these semi-emotional songs is just so perfect. And I don't know why. Because he's not hitting notes. It's almost just like 
his voice hones it in that they can go wherever they want with the melodies, like the guitar melodies. And, and I don't know, they just, they do a great job with it. And this is one of my favorite songs is this record is great. I love it. Um, it does have a lot of songs and I think this is the last song on the record and it just always stands out for me. So I'm taking kill your idols remain off. No gimmicks needed the year 2000 blackout records. What's up? What's up? What is up? And Dan, let's go to you for your number seven, the heartbreaker round. All right. There are, like I say, you know, there's a lot of great ones not making the list right now. So I am going, I'm taking my hat off to the jockers and the haters. I'm going fuel the fire in control. My favorite in control song on my favorite seven inch of 2000. I love this song. It starts out like it, like it could be a blitz song and you know, that's an A plus. Like if you start out sounding like, Oh, this could be a blitz song. You know, I'm hooked already. Um, did Micah play bass on this recording? Yeah. We recorded out in Simi Valley <laughs> with, I believe his name was Shannon. I think it was called T4 studios. I can't remember. Well, but yeah, Micah, Micah played for sure. Micah does some sick bass licks. <laughs> I've got to say licks um, like really cool flourishes right before the vocals come in. Um, Ryan sounds awesome. Switching between, you know, his straight up like core like delivery and then the maniacal that just feels off a hard case. Make out where like he's going nuts. Like at the, at the end of each chorus, um, you know, and then, I love the fact that he sings half a line and then you come in on the other half of the line. Like, it's not even like you're doing the next line. It's, it's like you come barging in like the Kool-Aid guy. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I love what the song's about. It's about, I mean, I can almost predict literally that there could have been a couple of people that it was especially about. But I love the fact that it's talking about hardcore spirit. This is not for any kind of pat on the back, not for any kind of money. This is literally about what it takes to to do this and feel it in your heart. And if people try and tear you down for it, that's just to fuel the fire that keeps you going. Yeah. Love it. Hey, I love it too. What's up? And I'll get you back. When we do 01, you know, I'm taking over my body. So what's up? <laughs> but you don't have to. I truly, I mean, you know, like I, this is the song that I would smash my way. I mean, I'd be up front anyway, but I'd smash my way to the microphone, take my baseball hat off and sing hats off to the jockers and the haters, like rip the mic right out of Ryan's hand for that line every single time. And Don would always laugh because it was like my choreographed dance move of removing my hat and singing the line. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. But if we do a one, Daniel, I'll be there. (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, let's go on to Kim for your number seven heartbreaker round. 
Okay. I saved this for last because I felt like I was probably the only person picking it. So I felt like it was safe, safe at the end. Um, I'm picking Alkaline Trio. Maybe I'll catch fire. Figured I'm probably a lone fan between the four of the three of you. So uh, definitely uh, can count me out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I love this record. I love the song. Uh, I know every single lyric to all the songs on this record and it holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, and yeah, so I'm picking, I'm picking this song. I felt like it couldn't be left off for me. Well, what, do, what does, what makes this a standout alkaline trio song compared to the others? Like what, why, why does this resonate with you? Oh, it was hard to even pick just one for me, honestly. I mean, fuck you, Aurora is a great song too, but for this song, uh, when like he starts singing about, well, I guess the the chorus part of like going into maybe I'll catch fire, something warm to hold me, something pure to burn away the darkness. Like I loved, especially when I was seventeen, the the dark pop punk, and thought that it was the coolest thing because it was like sort of goth, but not uh, what they were singing about. So. Uh, yeah, for me, the melody of this song and the lyrics were probably one of my favorites. So that's why I picked it. Yeah, I would say this band is like a game changer band as well, like in another lane. Um, It's kind of, if American Nightmare is like putting the final dagger in Youth Crew, like Alkaline Trio and like a lot of the Vagrant bands, they're kind of putting the final dagger in like the the epifat, do-da-da-da, do-da-da-da. Agree. Like, you know, that's, that's kind a of good, that's a really good point. Everything gets darker. Pop punk gets darker. Hardcore gets darker when you go into the new millennium or well, whatever. There's no more. There's no more fast songs too. Like the the fast is taken out of like the bands in that lane, like the Warp Tour bands, right? Like they're all playing like the the mid tempo of Alkaline Trio. Yeah, I guess no. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Well, AFI was another one that kind of like got gothier as the years progressed. Yeah, and this is also the the say, this is the year of the second Nerve Agents record too, where they're kind of like rolling in that AFI lane as well. And that's another example of a band whose best record didn't come out in the year two thousand. Although most people would think, you're most right. people would say that this is the best Nerve Agents record. You're right. You know? Yeah, AFI had Art of Drowning this year too, so. Uh, good call and like the gothier sound in the pop punk world of uh, in 2000. And then that sets the stage for like, you know, my chemical romance and like taking back Sunday and like really, really big bands that kind of hit in like Oh three Oh four Oh five, like, like mainstream bands. Right. They do a mashup of like the metal core and this stuff. Or that just do a mat or just do like a toned down, like pop, punk for mall kids but with a kind of a gloomier edge to it gotcha i mean just all that stuff missed me so i i i don't know when bands are like the pop punk bands of that generation or when they're the metalcore bands they're just all the band names i didn't listen to well they all they both have the same haircut right they have the guy (laughs) the guy liner and the swoop hair yeah and the blood splatter t-shirt the alternative press look hey can all of the Alkaline Trio fans out there campaign vociferously to get this band back together so he can leave my precious Blink-182 
and get Tom <laughs> please. Well, tell Tom DeLong to stop believing in UFOs. I actually have no idea if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> Why would you stop believing in UFOs? I don't know. Didn't he leave the band because he believed in UFOs? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. What's wrong with UFOs, dude? They're sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's a universal thing we can all agree on. UFOs are tight. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Missing time, bro. What's up with that? All right. Let's go to Ben for your number seven. My number seven is a song that um, I picked it. I I'm picking it last because I knew no one else would pick it. So I had, I wasn't in danger of, of getting it uh, taken away from me. It is hand over your exes by rain on the parade. Uh, This song probably got rain on the the parade into some trouble for the lyric salt Lake city and Syracuse. We got you up there with Hitler youth. And frankly, I don't give a shit. I'm not from Salt Lake City. I'm not from Syracuse. I don't care. It's a good song and a sentiment. The sentiment is militancy and straight edge is dumb. And I agree with that sentiment. Um, this is from the, their last record. And it's the only LP they ever did. And it's entitled When It Rains, It Pours, which is funny because coincidentally, Adam Antium put out an album the same year with the same title. Not that those two bands probably ever played a show together. Do you know which one probably got listened to a lot more? I don't know. Adamantium people people went team throwdown when when uh when that Adamantium record was huge. Oh, was it? Yeah. This is Rain on the Parade like past yeah. their prime. Yeah. Well they don't, do, like, they don't do the scissor beating stuff anymore on this record. <laughs> um yeah, it's not a well, it's a cool mid-tempo song. It's humorous. The entire layout of the record is the band in military fatigues pretending to be at boot camp and yelling at each other like the beginning of, uh, of um, you know, the fucking movie about Vietnam. Um, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Body Bag's the best record, definitely. So I totally agree with you that they're past their prime. But And Full Speed Ahead, the one after Body Bag, is great too. But- yeah. And this is them like flying a little too close to the sun and ending up a little too close to ending up being good, clean fun. They, they, no. they're, they're always lyrically um, clever, but, yeah, when, but there's, when, when there's too many songs, then it loses its impact. When it's over four songs or over five songs, then it's, it, it has that, Fighting humor when it is over an LP, I can see what you're saying. It becomes a bit of a parody of a parody. Well, and also like on the seven inches when it's over like a scissor beat or it's over just like a minute long fast song or a minute long mid tempo song, like that's cool. But this LP was just a little too monotone for me. And then the lyrics stand out a little too much. And it was just like, ah, it's a little too campy. I yeah. Just- it was, it was, it's that's all true, but this is the year 2000. So I'll take what I can get. You didn't. You didn't look deep enough. Well, I just don't like Madball, and like, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to pick a Madball song. I mean, look at the things you guys all picked. Like, I'm not. I never got into that whole. What do they call Stadium Crust? The tragedy. You um, didn't pick a Count Me Out song, Ben. What? You Ben's didn't pick a Count like, Me Out song. He only likes the seven inch. Um, no, I like the seven inch the best, and and Count Me Out already got talked about plenty. So I don't know. I just no, thought I I'd throw this cool, one in. It's. I think it's cool for you to pluck a song out of here because i'm excited to hear it again i think part of the reason i'm so down on this record too is for a stupid hipster reason right because like it's the only thing on spotify and it's like what the fuck dude 
like only their worst shits on Spotify. So yeah, that's annoying. I totally agree. But that's a stupid reason to not like this. Yeah. I just think it's like one more reason to not like it. Everything's relative. I mean, relative to what else was going on in the year 2000, I'm putting this in my top seven. Relative to everything else that this one band did, it's, it's beneath that. Yeah, and I'm excited. My point is, I'm excited to listen to this song and like be stoked on it because I'm sure, you know, this is a band that I really liked. I really, really like those two seven inches. So, if this is the best song off the LP, I'm sure it's dope. And And I'm gonna be some, it's got some gang backups where they yell, See, hi, so that's always fun. Oh, so I gotta roll my windows up if I'm at a fucking stoplight. (laughs) Just like talking about, we I think we talked about trial right before like we started recording this and like. That's an awkward fucking intro to listen to also, you know, because there's like those Sig Heils on the on the trial intro. Oh, for the for trial LP? The yeah, beginning. for the LP. It's like, oh, you know, they're 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 making a point, but it's like the person that you're next to at a red light doesn't understand that like they're a political band. You know, it's like, oh, why is this guy with a bald head listening to music that says Sig Heil? Yeah, totally. It's like the whole thing about people who decide like, I'm going to identify as a skinhead, but not the racist kind. It's like, you're going to have, you're going to spend your entire life saying, but not the racist kind. It's like, okay, that's the path you chose to take. You know, you know what you're in for. Yeah. I don't even wear sports gear anymore. Just cause I don't want people fucking talking to me. I'm playing black tea until death now. Huh? Interesting. Dude, I don't, I'm not trying to be in food for less. And then like some dudes like, Oh, Dodgers, huh? How do you feel about this? Like that's funny. Go away. I walked through a, a sketchy neighborhood the, the a couple of weeks ago, oh, uh, and awesome. I and I intentionally didn't wear a Clippers hat because I thought if anyone's gonna fuck with me for being a Clippers fan, it might happen in this hood. So <laughs> I had to wear the the generic blue. <laughs> there you go. How about that? Okay. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Daniel. What, <laughs> What what part of that did you have to bite your lip on the hardest? All of it. You know what? I bet you people are thinking in your in your black tea. He's Antifa. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, you can't win. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. No, no, no. I'm just fucking. Like, around. god damn it. No, it's you just, know, if you're fat, you look better in plain black. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, because like if I I like actually I look better in a white tea, but like I'm gonna have a stain on it by 11 a.m. Oh no! It, it, you'll look a lot slimmer in black. Word. All right. Okay. My number seven. I was gonna choose Dragon Distance. We already talked about it. And yeah, so Dave Bird, don't beat me up. Sorry, dude. Oh, by the <laughs> way, shout out to Dave Bird for listening to the Cleveland pod and then saying that that guy who wasn't familiar with the pagans, he lasts. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> the rules. All right. I'm going to take a Life Salt, the song To the Streets, off the No Reply Life Salt. We're taking it to the streets. That's right. Indecision Records. Uh, this is a great Life Salt song. Um, the message on it, you know, we talk about politics, but you got to like go participate. You know, it's important. And then I just love how it busts fast out of nowhere. It's that full like YOLO vibe, like going fast on the chorus. Take it to the streets. So good. And then it's got a great solo on it. You know, I never remember the solo being spectacular, but Charlie gets down, dude. You know, and then it goes to like a, a slower drop after the the solo. And it's like, 
Ernie getting like kind of soulful on it. Like, you know, we have to, we have to act on it. We talk about change. You have to, you have to act on it. Like, I love it. It's kind of like everything that life salt was about, you know, in a song. Um, even though I like the seven inch more than the split, but this is great. And the no reply side is great. And I could have taken more desperate, more violent. That's I know, that's, I know that's on my, have it, but. well, that's on my, uh, that's one that just didn't make it. That's on my, uh, you know, honorables. Yeah. 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 And the two striking distance songs I would have taken are not this time or along for the ride. Along for the ride was the other one that I was going to choose. It was hard. It was a hard choice. Those two songs are so brutal. All right. I'm going to run through my honorable mentions. I'm going to show you guys how it's done. (laughs) Here we go. Hunter Demons, Heart of Surprise, Bad Religion, Don't Sell Me Short, Born from Pain, Reclaiming the the Crown, Born from Pain, Final Nail, Count Me Out, Best of Me, Far From Close, What We Built in Another Year, Chromag's Tore Up, Death Threat Outcast, Dillinger 4, Wreck the Place Fantastic, Dwarves, I Want You to Die, E-Town Concrete, The Phoenix, or Soldier. The Mighty Mighty Fields of Fire with the song Path. What's up, Ben? Ignite with Veteran. Kill Your Idols After All again. Uh, Knuckle Dust with Dust to Dust. And Knuckle Dust Two-Faced. Knuckle Dust, Dust to Dust, Dust to Dust. Good God, that song rules. Yeah. Uh, Life's Halt, Race for 97. Limp Wrist. I Love Hardcore Boys. I Love Boys Hardcore. Madball. Doing the last resort cover of Violence on Our Minds from the A Tribute to the Real Oi Volume 1 comp. Also, Madball for all this time. Confessions. Uh, no Reply, no, More Desperate, More Violent. Stay Gold, the song TGIF, which was from their demo that came out this year. The Lawrence Arms, the song 16 Hours. And Tragedy, Confessions of a Suicide Advocate. What's up, Daniel? Honorable mentions. Well, you've, you've mentioned a lot of mine. Um, so I, I won't rehash um i'm gonna say no revolution by the explosion god bless the sos by the explosion i can't believe the explosion didn't make it (laughs) you know but i've i've talked about them ad nauseum on other pods so um and yeah the uh, um in my eye song that uh i desperately almost got on here but you know at the last minute because ben talked about him so much was take the risk uh if you haven't heard that in my eye song jesus christ that is what a modern you know not not 1988 youth crew band should sound like it that's the 10 years on that's what youth crew hardcore should sound like 10 years on it is perfect all right kim honorable mentions uh, so I didn't pick like too many extra songs, but, uh, albums that came out this year, uh, Ink and Dagger, uh, Hope Con, which we didn't talk about. Oh my God, which, yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, that I can't believe we didn't talk about. And we argued earlier, well, not argued, discussed that didn't realize it was cold blue over code blue for many years. <laughs> um, uh tear it up had a record come out this year which i love tear it up wasn't my favorite record they have ever done but um love tear it up uh far from breaking's demo came out and i you know uh wade just passed last year and he was with far for breaking so just wanted to shout that out um 
and let's see uh yeah this uh too many good things came out in 2000 but those are some of my favorites ben let's go to you for your honorable mentions kid dynamite living daylights aka the other woe song on that album in my eyes nothing to hide um and i've also got uh the count me out lp i was gonna i had that i had just count me out written and then i found other stuff but i I was gonna dip into that too blue tip uh oh yeah not the best blue tip album discord 101 is better but it's still They put out a, a record in 2000. Shout out to Jason Farrell. I doubt he's listening, but he should, he could listen one of these days. The Missing 23rd, their second album, which I'm not that familiar with, familiar with, but I remember it being pretty good. I would have gone back and pulled stuff out of that. Nerve Agents, like I said before, not my favorite, but still very good. Um, and then The Kill Your Idols, which got plenty of love from uh, some of the other people on, on this uh, episode. So that was cool too. Yeah, the... Um, the thing I, I, I didn't put uh, <clears throat> fragile uh, hope conspiracy cold blue. That's r- right on the, on the edge of this seven as well, because the, the way cold blue opens up with the song fragile is incredible. And I, I'm regretting not putting it on my Boston list and I'm regretting not putting it on my 2000 list already. So uh, it's a, heavy honorable mention love it anything else you guys want to wrap on the year 2000 pit boss 2000 sucks <laughs> you should say it again i think you broke up man pit boss 2000 sucks <laughs>